I think it's going to be a fun, inspirational, and equipping episode. Yeah. So just for review, the golden rule is be nicer to Nick than you are to your own family. I'm pretty sure that's not accurate, but it's close. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Nick, thanks for sending me that shop tour video that you just did. That was great. Yeah. You know, I got the idea from one of my customers and they told me that when they have a prospect visit their shop for a tour, they have an over 90% close rate. Well, you know, with all of these supply chain problems, people are setting up new vendors all the time. Why not send them one of those videos instead? Yeah, it was great. The ThomasNet team helped me. They sent somebody to my facility and they were able to kind of capture a shop tour without it being in person. So you can check that out on my ThomasNet profile, Advanced Machine and Engineering or Hennig. We actually had two of them done. That's great. And I talked to ThomasNet about this and they said that they can send a camera with short notice anywhere in the U.S., and Canada. And when you go to ThomasNet, you can engage with a half a million suppliers, 78,000 categories of products, and every month they have 1.5 million buyers searching out suppliers. And videos are a great way for people to find out about your facility. Yeah, and it's really easy to sign up. You just go to the website, thomasnet.com, and a few clicks and you'll be right there. So go to business.thomasnet.com slash programs, and that'll take you directly to sign up for one of their videos. That's business.thomasnet.com slash programs. Jason, our guest today has this golden glow and a halo above his head. I know. Isn't that cool? That's Pastor Mike. Yeah, awesome. I think it's just a glare from the lighting. <laughs> go. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Let's make some chips. Hey, Metalworking Nation, welcome to Making Chips, the longest running manufacturing podcast. We've been equipping and inspiring manufacturing leaders for about eight years now. My name's Jason Zenger. I'm going to be your host today. And I'm joined, of course, by my host of many, many years, Nick Kolner. How you doing, Nick? So many, many years, many, longest many years. running podcast. We're like the grandpa of manufacturing Yeah, we are the OGs. Yeah, the original grandpa. Oh, no, it's the original gangster <laughs> or gangsta. <laughs> So, Nick, what in your mind, you visit shops, they've got tons of machines on the floor, lots of networking going on, lots of automation, lots of software, lots of cutting tools, moving parts, work holding, engineers running around. But what is always the common denominator about the biggest separation between successful shops and non-successful shops. Yeah, it's got to be the people. It's the people. Exactly. So one of the things that we're going to be talking about today is just how to really manage and lead your people better. It's like the one simple thing that you can do in order to run a better shop. And what we're going to be talking about is what is the golden rule in business? And I think that this is something that is very close to both of our hearts. And I think it's going to be a fun, inspirational and equipping episode. Yeah, so just for review, the golden rule is be nicer to Nick than you are to your own family. 
I'm pretty sure that's not accurate, but it's close. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one more. That's the platinum rule, I guess. No, people always fuss around with this whole notion of like platinum rule versus golden rule. There's no platinum rule. Oh, I just made that up. Yeah, no, I mean, like people say that, oh, well, the platinum rule is better than the golden rule. And we can ask Pastor Mike what he thinks about that. You keep calling him Pastor Mike. I know. Doesn't he work for you? We'll get there soon. But before we get there, I have some manufacturing news. The global manufacturing industry is full of twists and turns, but what does it mean for you? The Making Chips hosts have hand-selected the latest news and they're about to give you their perspective. No hot takes, no political garbage, just commentary from the perspective of a manufacturing leader. This is MWMN, Metalworking Manufacturing News. This time around, it's not necessarily an article. I watched this on September 22nd. I'm pretty sure that's when it was live on that day, September 22nd of 2023. It was a live from Tesla. It was Elon Musk was hosting a just a live event. It was a Q&A. They might have had like shareholder earnings. I don't remember. But it was really interesting. It kind of caught my eye. It popped up on YouTube. I don't know what I was doing. Like a public address. Public address, Q&A. I think it was in Texas. And what I want to point out is that I believe that Tesla is really changing the perception of manufacturing. And the reason I say that is because hundreds of thousands of people were watching this and Elon Musk was talking a lot about manufacturing and he does talk a lot about manufacturing and nobody I think in the history of like Fortune 50 companies since Ford invented the assembly line have talked more about manufacturing than Elon Musk has nowadays so yeah, I thought really that was really does interesting have a lot of respect for actually making the thing not just having all the ideas Exactly he also has a lot of ideas He also has a lot of ideas but I mean I want to touch on a couple things and I might go back and rewatch this in order to maybe just we can have an entire episode talking about this, but there's three different points that I want to talk about. One was just the fact that he had a long discussion of the factory floor. I think that was his term that he uses for it, but like he talked about the factory floor for a long time, which people were interested. So he talked about the cyber from a manufacturing perspective and products. He talked about the Cybertruck and he also talked about this new robot that they're going to be coming out with. And then he also talked a lot about material science. I don't know how familiar you are with material science. I studied engineering in college and I took a material science course. Mm-hmm. It was rather interesting. Yeah. But he talked a lot about material well, science. Well, the longer you're in this business, the more you end up learning about all the different materials and the properties they have. And Exactly. One thing I'm really interested in is, oh, I think he calls it the gigapress. Oh, yeah. But you like basically like press an entire car through this like extremely millions of pounds press. It's really Really interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. So the best analogy, I was looking at this, it's supposed to reduce the cost of manufacturing significantly. And the best analogy that I can get is if you look at your old school matchbox cars, mm-hmm. you know how they're like, basically, it's like they're pressed from one piece and then they yeah. got the bottom piece that has some of the components assembled to it. Yeah. Like that would be the best analogy to what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And then the third thing that he talked about was there was a discussion of jobs multiplication through manufacturing. So Elon Musk spent a decent amount of time talking about the multiplication effect of manufacturing and the desire for states to bring his manufacturing to them yeah. in order to We've you know, talked produce about all the jobs. A few times, the multiplication yeah. effect. 
every one manufacturing job creates whatever it was. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm convinced that Elon Musk is listening to making chips and he got that <laughs> from us. And guess, now huh? he's talking about it live on yeah, the hundred He didn't him give on. us credit though, which was rather frustrating. Yeah. Could have been like, I heard this from Jason Zenger yeah. and I really wanted to tell you he all about it. He probably needs some advice for like how to get to Mars. We might be able to help him out. I mean, I think I could be a great executive coach to him. Yeah, I or think even he like talk a jester because you're so funny. Yeah, well, I could do both at the same time. <laughs> so that would be good. All right, let's move on to the point of this episode. So we have- I'm still a, blinded by the glow, you know, radiating <laughs> off of this man. So. so we have as a guest today, he is actually one of the newest team members at Zengers. His name is Mike Ruge. He is our integrator, if you talk about it in EOS terms, and also our experienced director. And it's been great having Mike on the team. Him and I get along really well. And in addition to being really good friends, we just kind of like jive with each other really well, which I think in that integrator visionary relationship is really, really important to have. And not only that, we have a lot of faith in common. We get into different theological arguments on certain minor tertiary points, but that's okay. It's good to have those discussions in order yeah, to gotta, sharpen each other. Yeah, for sure. So Absolutely. yeah, so welcome to the show, Mike Ruge. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. It's great to have you here. So one of the things that you brought to the table very early on, Mike, is that you have helped me to take like a vision that I have for the company and actually make it happen. Like I'm terrible at getting things done. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Oh, Nick knows gosh, this too. So That's why I'm here. I didn't have to say it. I was just waiting to say it. So you have a great ability to take like a vision that either I've had in the back of my mind or I've expressed to you and you have a skill set. Not only that, you have a skill set to make sure that it is effectively implemented on a daily basis mm. at the company. And one of the most important things is how we treat our team members here, yes. how we treat mm -hmm. our people, our Correct. culture here at Zenger. So I just wanted to put that out there that it's just been refreshing having you on the team and you seeing these things happen and seeing yeah. the team so happy. How did that happen? Well, yeah, I really appreciate you saying that. But as I was introduced to Zenger's having a background in pastoral ministry, you learn like people skills. Those are things that you can develop over time, which is the good news. Some mm -hmm. people are like, well, I'm just really not good with people. Okay, but there's ways that you can learn how to have people skills. Yes. But some people It takes a long do, time though, I imagine. For some. Yeah. But there are some things you can do. But to some, it comes quite more simply. It just happens to do with gifting for sure. But if you come into whatever sphere of influence that you have, think about relationships. Yeah. And so again, some people might need help with that. And there's some things you can do practically. But at the end of the day, if you help people to know that they're valued and you help them to know that you care... And that goes a long way in building those relationships in the workplace that ultimately helps with retention. So is that the golden rule then? Well, the golden rule is to treat others the way that you want to be treated. Right. And so it does come from Matthew 7, 12. And for those of you listening may not believe in the Bible, but nonetheless, by principle, this is wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so the verse does say, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. We mentioned briefly about the platinum rule. Yeah, like I thought I was making it up, but apparently it's a thing. It's a thing. Are you familiar with like where people talk about the platinum rule versus the golden rule? No, please explain. They always have to one-up okay. things, right? Yeah. Yeah, if it's not enough, like someone has to top that. So I think the way that people propose the platinum rule is like, so the golden rule says treat people how you would want to be treated. And people are like, oh, well, this is better. It's treat people like they want to be treated. You know what I mean? And I think that there's some error in that though. And from my perspective, sometimes people, I think that comes from like maybe a selfish heart. Would that make sense? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like in our nature, we are selfish people. Mm -hmm. 
And so rather coming into an environment of thinking like, how can I count others more significant than myself? And there's intentionality to that. Like you actually have to prepare for that. Like whenever I walk into a place, I have to think, what do I hope to accomplish? Because it's really easy for me to walk in like, okay, what can you guys do for me? What do I get out of this? And that's the typical consumer. But in a management And probably position, the typical person in a workplace. Yeah. I mean, inherently, that's who we are. What can you give me? What can I get out of this? For sure. Sometimes people need to be challenged, right? Like, yeah. so usually the way I want to be treated is like, I want to be able to sit by my machine and run two parts when I could really run five. And I want to be able to watch TV on my phone while I'm working. And have my earbuds in. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I want to be able to do all these things that maybe isn't like how I get to the elite performance that maybe like on paper, I would say I want, but when I show up and I'm not motivated that day or whatever, oh, well, I just want to be left alone today. I want to be able to just kind of coast. And I would say hopefully, and this is at least what I'm trying to accomplish here at Zenger is hopefully you have leadership and management in place who treat people like they would want to be treated and have a higher level of wisdom in order to make sure that those principles are implemented in order to just manage and lead people in a better manner so that you can correct those things in a loving way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's wisdom too, like wanting to be corrected yourself, not wanting someone to just give you everything you've ever wanted, but to challenge you. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely balance in that. And for sure, just it's more of your attitude, your tone and what you come in to provide as a deposit for people. Help them to know like, hey, I see you, I hear you. And if it means taking some time aside to talk about, hey, I understand that your mom is not doing well, she's in the hospital. Just by the sheer fact that you're asking helps the person know like, okay, Mike or Nick or Jason aren't always about the business. They really want to know about who I am and what I'm working through and what I'm struggling with because HR would appreciate this to know like what is going on with this person that the production has dropped off. Right. Have we stopped to ask like, what is going on with so-and-so? Has anyone asked? Like going on in their lives personally. Yeah. I mean, people are going through a divorce. People are going through things with their children financially. And if we see like production going down, well, we need to find out like what's going on in the person that takes investment, mm-hmm. taking some time and say, hey, has anyone checked in with Roger? Like, is he okay? Maybe I need to do that. But making sure that gets done helps the person know like they do see me. Yeah. Rather than we tend to shoot first and ask questions second. I definitely do. You I do. mean, I'm guilty as charged. And you've helped me through that and kind of counseled me in a lot of situations. It's just flipping the script. Yeah. Ask questions. I think good leaders ask questions. Yeah. We don't have all the information. We right. come in bottom line. Nick's like, hey, production's down over there. You start to subjectively think, what is the problem? I know what the problem is. Do you, Nick? Have you asked? Again, maybe that person's going through divorce. Maybe they just lost their dog. To some people, a dog is a significant loss. Yeah. Hey, Metalworking Nation. Jason Zenger here. I want to tell you about Palo Alto Networks. They offer zero trust for OT without the PTSD. Keeping operational technology secure and running smoothly is a tall order. It's enough to make the coolest operations director wake up with night sweats. And we don't want that. Zero Trust OT Security delivers comprehensive visibility and security for all OT assets, networks, and remote operations. The Palo Alto Network solution provides exceptional OT protection with over 1,100 app IDs for OT protocols, over 500 profiles for critical OT assets, and over 650 OT-specific threat signatures supported. 
It provides best-in-class security while simplifying OT security management. It sees and protects everything in the network, and it automates threat detection while implementing zero trust across all operations. We know right now that security at manufacturing companies is critical, and you need to take action on this. So sleep better with the most comprehensive platform to detect, manage, and secure OT assets. Learn how the Palo Alto Network's Zero Trust for OT Security Solution can achieve 351% ROI over five years. To learn more, find the link in the description or visit paloaltonetworks.com. That's paloaltonetworks.com. So let's give an example, and I'll be the one to be a little bit self-effacing. So we had a situation where there was some conflict amongst team members, and Mm -hmm. every business has it, so I'm not ashamed to say that it happens here once in a while. I think it happens a lot less here, but it was happening. And my initial response was, okay, I don't think that this person's going to be a fit with us in the future. Mm -hmm. And you kind of pushed back and corrected me on that and brought us to a place where the obviously the right decision was made because that person is still here and he's thriving. Yeah, for sure. So what happened there from your perspective? Well, first, it's spend time with the person. We can look at the bottom line as like, this person is not producing. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to find out why. And again, it starts with leading with questions. Maybe they don't know what the expectation is. Maybe they're dealing with something that they feel is unfair unto them. Mm-hmm. But you don't know until you have dialogue. It means sitting them down intentionally in a closed room and make it so that you're at a round table having a discussion. There isn't like, I'm superior over you, and you need to act accordingly and just start barking orders. You need to start asking questions. Tell me about what's expected of you here. Tell me about your home life. Like, There's so many questions you can ask to get information out of them versus accusing. Again, that goes back to seeking to understand versus being understood because you're coming in with an agenda ready. Like, I'm going to fire this guy. Yeah. Like, bottom line. And then you don't even hear the person. Yeah. So-and-so told me this. Yeah. And so this person's got to go. And there's a proverb principle there, too, yeah. which is what? Well, I mean, it's Proverbs 18.2. You hear one side of the story first, and it sounds right, until the other comes to an examine it. And it's like, ah. It's like, again, we're making assumptions based on the bottom line. This person's like, he's not doing really well. Okay, but we need to find out what's going on in their life, what's going on here at work. Again, maybe it's just not clear. So is that something that like in the midst of conflict, you sit them down and you're like, oh, tell me about your home life? Or is that something that you probably needed to have done? Probably not like ago? immediately in yeah. the moment. <laughs> like while you're in a big blow up, you're like, hey, yeah. tell me about your family. Well, it's organic. So again, I think of us as the role of a shepherd. You need to know your sheep. You know, again, some companies are just way too big. But equip your managers to get to know their people. Like, I don't need to know every single person in the company. I mean, certain sizes that you should. But if you're in a shepherd role, you need to know your sheep. And so hopefully, as Nick mentioned, like, hopefully you already know these things. But when it comes to specifics, like have something like you're premeditated in your questions, like you already wrote down some things, just don't go in there unprepared. Like come in or asking some questions. Like if there's just like a routine of things, like maybe they're not aware of the process. They've been operating under bad leadership prior. Maybe they just don't know how to do because they weren't trained properly. Yeah. So you just hit on something. We have some challenges at our business and clearly like a lot of things that need to be getting done by this person in this role are not getting done. But when we started to go like the five whys, it's like a Toyota lean production thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, you just, why is that? Well, why is that? Well, why is that? And eventually exactly. you get to the root cause. And what we realized is like there was really poor onboarding. Yeah. There was no clarity sure. of task, like what they're actually supposed to be doing. Yeah. There was no like deadlines, like you need to have this training done by this date, et cetera. Yeah. So 
now it's like, oh, actually, we need to look towards maybe the leadership from yeah. when this person started. 100%. And we did a reset. Yeah. And now it's like, all right, now we're going to do this right. Now, if we still have an issue, mm-hmm. that kind of shows us where we were. Yeah, then you can narrow down where the problem is, right. is coming from. And so we had a situation where someone just didn't understand the process. There's an error in, in the order. And I'm like, hey, walk me through like from start to finish. In that, I saw where the breakdown was. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but as far as he knew, this is how it's supposed to be. But he was misinformed. So how much of that responsibility is on him versus who trained him? And so in that conversation, he had good dialogue where then he was able to help us understand where he was coming from that we can then bring correction by ways of solution. Like, hey, collaboratively, like how can we create a solution to this? So he felt involved, he felt cared for, he felt heard and understood. And then that builds rapport Mm -hmm. over time. And then when you come into work, hey, when I made a mistake, Mike or Jason, man, Nick, they were really good about like asking me questions. No one wants to be accused falsely. That's Mm -hmm. a huge pet peeve of mine. Like Jason and I have had interactions where we're just in a rush And we're just firing off like, hey, how come, hold on, do you even have all the information? Do you have context? And so we have to do better at asking. I think sometimes the false accusation is like assuming the wrong motive. Like, yeah, I think one of the things that we have a consultant that helps us and she's like, assume everybody wants to do a good job. Because a lot of times you're like, well, they just don't even care. They're lazy. Mm, Yeah. Oh, my God. You hear that all the time. It's like, yeah, well, maybe there's something more to it. Yeah. Well, I think it's whenever you're in those kind of situations, I think that the leadership should always assume that they haven't done something correctly. And I think that that's the stance that you should come from is not assuming that they're not educated or they don't care or they something else. You should always come from the standpoint of, well, what did I do? What did I contribute to this that this isn't happening correctly? 100%. I mean, we think about our communication. We assume that we're clear. Like I've had admins in the past where... I gave what I thought were simple instructions. They just dropped the ball. And I think in leadership, we have to come to them and have a conversation. Hey, help me understand what you understood about this project, whatever this task was. And then when they share with you, you're like, oh, we're missing information. Hey, so-and-so, perhaps I wasn't clear. And you can even ask for forgiveness. Hey, I'm sorry I wasn't clear. Can we revisit this conversation? Versus coming in there like, hey, how come this wasn't done? Yeah, you had one job. Yeah, what have you been doing all week? I gave you a due date even of this week and you're not even close. Right. Maybe the person was intimidated by you. Now, granted, they can ask clarifying questions. Sure. Well, you are six foot four. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of tough. And Nick's Beard like mustache four foot with, four. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I've been told I... Or no, sorry, five foot four. Uh, Viking yeah. or something. Couple but, more on there, you know, but not much. Don't, don't, not six foot. Don't lord that over them. <laughs> they're already coming in feeling inadequate when they're in a conversation. So equal the playing field. Help them to know that you care. But yeah, going back to the communication, like as a leader, I think we should assume responsibility first and foremost and give the benefit of the doubt and provide clarity. Now, if you have to go revisit this two or three times, then the conversation should shift. So let's talk about a practical way. So if somebody's listening, they're like, I get it. I'm having some conflict and it's probably because I'm not treating people like I would want to be treated. What would be an easy way to get started in order to start moving your culture in the way that you're leading? Yeah, I'd love to answer that. I always think about, and it's going to sound selfish, but it's not, is first take care of yourself. Oh, okay. I wasn't expecting that. You need to be filled with something, whether it's energy, love. For you, it's coffee. For me, it's coffee. For those people out there, Mike drinks about 20 cups of coffee a day. I have. Which I appreciate because he's always really quick with everything. Yeah. And so, yeah, with the lack of sleep I get nowadays, especially I need it. It's to take care of yourself because you ought to be in your position 
a giver. Okay. But if you have nothing to give, then you have nothing to give. Okay. So it's like if you have a spouse checking in with your wife, hey, how's your love tank? Is it filled? Because if she's acting, quote unquote, a certain way, and maybe just because you haven't paid attention to her. Maybe, it's your fault. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you haven't taken her on a date in a long time. You got yeah. the kids running around. Life gets in the way, but she's feeling depleted. So I would say, how do you get filled? Is it you need more rest? Do you need a vacation? Do you need a hobby? Do you need to work out? Do you need to fill your time with some more family time? Is it God? Yeah. Whatever your values are, fill yourself so that when you come in, you have something to give away. Okay. What is that about giving away? Oh, well, it's being a servant leader. Okay. If you walk into a place and you think about how can I serve others rather than how can they serve me, we need to flip the script. And I think if you want a good response and a good healthy culture, it starts with you. Mm -hmm. If you come into a room always taking, they're like, oh no, here comes Jason. Here comes Nick. Here yeah, comes he's going to yell always, at me or ask me to do something. Yeah, whatever you know. it is, they're always taking. Yeah. But what if Jason and Nick and Mike walked in and were always giving? What if you're more generous? What if you just brought in donuts? What if you just ask questions? Hey, I'm just following. Or ask them like, about their family. Yeah, like, hey, last time we talked, you told me about, how's that going? Yeah, the follow-up, I think, means more sometimes than the first question. Remember that, names. Like, that you were thinking about it. You yeah. Know, hey, the uh, last time we talked, your mom was sick. Is she doing any better? Yeah. That I mean, it's even good to share names. First time. Like, if you know a work of yours, his wife's name is Lisa. Hey, how's mm -hmm. Lisa doing? Yeah. It's more personable when you ask about the name versus yeah. the, you sure. know, the title. Because sure. they know that you're listening. Hey, Mike, Nick, Jason, they really care because they remember my wife's name. Yeah. They remember that she went to get a check up at the hospital and there's just so many things going on in people's lives that is not always about work. People are bringing stuff to the table that we're not even aware of. And it just reduces production. You see in sports, you know, it's like, man, this guy used to be batting 300. Now he's batting 220. What happened? Well, in his personal life, yeah, he's struggling. Yeah, look at Deshaun Watson from the, oh, know, he got gosh. in all that trouble and now he like sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a real thing. His head is filled with other things. Yeah, other yeah. Football. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So one of the other and things- He's on my fantasy team, so he needs to get oh, yeah. back. Yeah, you need to trade him. <laughs> one of the other things that you and I have had some conversations about is the juxtaposition of people expecting a raise or even in some situations saying, well, that's not my job or mm -hmm. I'm not getting paid for that. Like, have you ever heard some of these things, Nick? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I've had an employee like kind of bring me the job description and be like, well, you're asking me to do that. Where is it in here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like we've kind of started adding this, like, this catch all bullet point, like and anything else you're boss asks you to do, Absolutely. which I feel like you shouldn't even have to do, but whatever. no, you shouldn't. It's in there now. I agree. And so you've actually been working at, I guess, educating our mm -hmm. team on yeah. a different perspective that they should be looking at this as well. Correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, it's helping them to see for themselves where they're falling short. Right. Again, it's by asking questions. Right. Mm -hmm. And getting themselves to be on the hook for what their needs or desires are. Like, I need a raise. I want to raise. And, you know, without sounding condescending, there's a ways that you can ask, like, basically, you're asking, like, tell me why you think you should get a raise. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, you don't need to ask in that particular way because it sounds condescending or yeah. patronizing. But like, what are some ways, creative ways you can ask that question? Yeah. Like, how have you increased what you're contributing around here? Yeah. Walk me through that. And actually, you can get them to grade themselves. Because you can be like, you know, maybe I'm not seeing some of the stuff that you're doing that's better. Oh, than, yeah. You know, I mean, there's a ago. lot of things. I mean, I don't know how many times, like, does Jason even know what I'm doing here? Like, what am I taking on? He trusts me and the I appreciate no. that. But like, <laughs> and like, if I made a stockpile of things I do and he's like, oh, I didn't know that. But 
it's not the relationship we have, but the, just the, the point is you don't know what they're always doing and yeah. contributing. So I'll give an example at my church. So one of the privileges I had was the overseer volunteers. And there's so many at a large church that we had. And it's hard to fire a volunteer. Like, how do you fire a volunteer that shows up? Yeah, you're not getting paid anymore. Yeah. Like, okay, great. And I, so I never getting paid. you want to find ways, at least put them on the right seat in the bus. They don't always have the great giftings and doing what they did. For a reason, they circled something and maybe because their friend got involved and they've been doing it for the last couple of years. But it does help in hospitality if an usher is not doing their job well. So I have to address that. Yeah. So the approach is, hey, so-and-so, like, tell me what you think about your role here and do you like it? You know, just soft talk and then get into what you want to get into, which is performance. Hey, I would love to hear from you what you think the five best attributes an usher needs to have. Don't answer right now. Take some time and process. Let's come back next week. Let's have a discussion. They come back next week. Hey, here are the five attributes that makes a good usher. Let's do an example. First one, hey, a good usher smiles. All right, great. And then so you go down that order and then you ask them, according to their five attributes, hey, how about you rate yourself? How are you doing with these five attributes? Like, do you think that you do a good job smiling? And they're just like, not really. I think I can do better. By the time you get to number five, they can hear themselves saying, you know what? I'm not a good usher. And then so you can do that with your employee to find out. Like you have to be strategic in that. Yeah. Yeah. We did a whole episode on like my review process last year changed where I like kind of had them rate themselves in all the major categories. And then I did it myself. And for me, it wasn't like necessarily the rating that we came up with. How different were they? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because that was the bigger problem. Like that means they're not hearing me. Yeah. We tend to think more highly of ourselves than we really are. I bring great value. Yeah. And I had a couple where it was like totally flipped. Oh, I know. Geez. Like, you know, you got to give yourself some credit. Well, that's why these things need to be objective. That's why I was like the five attributes of an usher. Like these are some things that they need to do by task. And if they're not doing it bottom line, then they're just not going to get Because Mike was like, hey, I filmed you and you only smiled like 23.6%. Yeah, I had someone count the with the clicker. How many times did he really smile? You said 10. <laughs> we, I count it one. We got yeah. that smile <laughs> quote up there, Roger. The data could be right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you take it to, you know, that analogy to a machine shop environment. You're like, okay, here's the production and I see the data and you're not making it. But Bottom if you line. start with the data, you're probably not treating that person in a manner that you would want to be treated. And yeah. I think coming at them with questions initially and getting them to realize what yeah like your spindles down all the time like i blow my cutting tools all the time that's why my spindles down like maybe something's off in the program or with the tooling yeah so let's ask the questions first before we make the accusation you can leave with hey i'm curious like here's some data points can you help me to translate can you help me interpret and again by asking you might have the information already and you get them to be on the hook for themselves be like oh yeah this data doesn't match up and my production isn't as good as the data says and it is objective. Yeah. There's one thing I think is specifically in this industry where we like we have a golden rule disorder and it's where it's like you treat people the way you were treated. Mm. And yeah. especially like because a lot of people who have excelled and moved up into leadership, they didn't have great leaders. Yeah. Right. And they had, oh, we had to go grind this out. And if I didn't ask extra question, no one volunteered how to show Yeah, me it's how like to I had to machine. figure this stuff out for myself. So you need to figure it out for yeah. yourself too. Yeah. So like yeah. it's like yeah. instead of teaching your kid how to swim, it's like I'm just gonna push him off the deep end. He'll oh figure it out he right. to survive. Yeah. 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 And exactly. So it's like, well, this is what I went I through. walked to school in the snow and so should you. Yeah, and I see <laughs> that way too much. It's like, yeah, but think about how much further along you could could have been earlier on and like yes. part of it is you do have to go through adversity and you don't want to yeah. like steal 
middle of the learning process by there's a balance. all the adversity. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. There's way too much of like, well, this is how I was treated. So this is how like, no, rookies I are think you hit on something there, Nick, in our industry. Absolutely. Well, especially because right now it's so hard for talent. Like, yeah. You can't get good talent and everyone is looking for the right culture. And if you're like, well, they got to pay their dues for four years, they're going to go work somewhere. It's not as grueling. You no, know? right. Yeah. Well, a yeah. lot of people are old school. They're blue collared. And to your point, well, this is how I was treated. It's adaptive behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And subconsciously they do things because this is what was modeled to them. Right. Mm-hmm. But again, coming in with intentionality, the golden rule. Well, how would I want to be treated? Right. Yeah. If I were to go back 20 years when I got started, instead of being frustrated yeah. back then, I, it would right. have been nice if somebody taught me. Yeah. Not everybody's yeah. a Navy SEAL who needs to get like go through hell week oh, yeah. and get screamed at. You oh know, my gosh. Like, like some of these roles, you're not yeah. trying to make everyone battle hard. Well, like people that. at the end of the day, for retention purposes, want to be valued more than their paycheck. Now, there's an exception. People are like, hey, you can pay me whatever I want and treat me like garbage. I'll make the money. Yeah, sure. But people still value how they're valued more so than their paycheck. And do they have that value here? Do you help them to feel that way? If not, it does start with you. And I love what you said earlier, Nick, about like, you need to check yourself. Maybe production is bad because it's my leadership. And so maybe I'm not clear. Communication is off. Well, when you're modeling that behavior, when you're looking like, hey, maybe I didn't communicate clearly, you're also teaching the people who report to you, like, consider maybe you should have asked a clarifying question. Yeah. When your superior's like, hey, help me understand why you didn't understand this, yeah. it causes you to be like, hey, I don't understand this. And you're more proactive with yeah. like, hey, leaders need to be clarify? on the hook. It's yeah. really easy to shift blame. Well, they're not doing, hold on. But if I were to come into your company and I'm like, hold on a second, you have some blind spots. You treat your employees like garbage. Mm-hmm. And they may be puffed with knowledge, like, yeah, but I've been in this industry for 30 years. Yeah, but what good is that? Right. When your retention rates are down, people hate you. They fear you. They don't have any respect. Their culture is sloppy. Now, you put all that together, no wonder why your production is down. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's really hard in this industry to find all-stars. Turnover rate is, is significant. Yeah. Well, if you find someone that has potential and you pour into them, like, you'd be surprised how they want to stick around and work hard for you. You were mentioning earlier about the employee. He went from... When I first started, he looked at me sideways. He's like, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Now he calls me, sir. <laughs> I don't require that, guys. <laughs> I don't like titles. I just want to be called Mike. But the fact that he calls me, sir, again, is not to boast of myself. It's just like, that's what happens when you build into yeah, something. And when you it's treat like people with respect. Noticeable change in how much he respects you because of how much you respected him. Yeah, yeah. I think, if I may, let's put the halo back over my head for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest compliment I've ever gotten since being here at Zangers was we interviewed an admin and she came in and she's like, man, she admitted later, she's like, I don't know if I want to work here. It's just I'm not familiar with the industry. I don't know. It's an old rundown building. <sighs> you know, you, she was hesitant. But after the interview, she's like, I'd be glad to work with you. I love what you're doing with the culture. I love what yep. Jason's about as the owner. I love the dynamic you guys got going on. I want to help. And she really fervently reached out wanting this yep. job yeah. because of the interview process, because she saw how he cared. I bragged about Jason, even though he wasn't here. Maybe I lied a little bit. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, you have. I'm to. right here. I exaggerated <laughs> yeah. some You would want truth. him to lie about you, right? That's the golden rule. <laughs> he did give me a $5 bill once day. Hey, always talk me up in front of others when I'm not here. So I did just that. She's like, I want to be a part of what Jason and what you're doing. And that was the greatest compliment. Again, it's not of myself. Right. It's not. It's a team effort. It is. And yeah. so I just give credit where credit's due. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. awesome.
That's awesome. Well, this has been great, Mike. Like I said, I appreciate everything that you've brought to the table here at Zengers, mm-hmm. and I'm just looking forward to a, a very fruitful partnership for many years to come. And speaking of that old building, we forgot to announce that we actually just closed on a new building. Yeah, we Yeehaw. had a couple announcements. I yeah. know. We'll, we'll so close like, with exciting. Our yeah, so we'll close with them. Yeah, so like after 70 years of being here in Melrose Park in this location where my grandfather started the business as a hardware store. And then over decades, it's, we've transformed the company into mm-hmm. being a metalworking tooling specialist doing vending machines and integration and productivity increases, all that kind of stuff. We need a bigger and better facility. So we're moving from here to a nearby town, Carroll Stream, and a nice brand new building. So we're very excited about that. Very, very excited. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be great. Awesome. We won't have the showroom that we had before, but that's really such a minor part of our business You don't even want to do now. that. We don't want to. It's not part of our business model yeah. anymore. You so. want to get tools into your customer's facility right away. They shouldn't have to drive to Zangers. Exactly. Get, the one that thing that's always code. funny is that, speaking of that, Nick, is people are always like, e-commerce, e-commerce, e-commerce. And it's very important. We're sure. working mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. But I'm like, well, you know what's faster than e-commerce is when you just walk up to the vending machine and you pull your tooling out right. there. <laughs> right. exactly. Then you don't have to stop and go on a... Right. So, or when anyway. you have your guy's cell phone number and he answers right away. Exactly. Just hooks yeah. you up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's much easier than going into Google or searching on a website. Yeah, your local like independent that. distributor. Can there you go. Send us a text <laughs> message and we'll take care of it. So you had an announcement too, right? Yeah, right? so speaking of new tools, one of the things that's always kind of been missing from the product portfolio at Hennig is all these options that go with machine tools for chip and coolant management. We have chip conveyors, we have coolant tanks, we do all the machine protection, but we never had high-pressure coolant systems mm-hmm. until now. Yeah. So, yeah, we just acquired a company and just did the press release two days ago. So Nice. Yeah, we have a Very whole cool. line of high-pressure coolant systems, and I'm really excited to like go to market with those. The, the product itself is great. It's got some features that nobody else has. And yeah, really excited about that. So, That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, I had another thought in closing. They're not a sponsor or anything like that, but I just wanted to mention this. There is a quick, if you need to figure out how to express empathy at your company with your team members, you can actually, if you don't have somebody on your team like Mike, who's just <laughs> great at it, yeah. who has the heart of a pastor, there is a company, Marketplace Chaplains, that you can hire them to come in and actually be that person who engages and connects with your team. And they actually bring you feedback confidentially. They bring you data and they really do a great job of elevating the culture of a company. And I know several manufacturers, including a couple of our clients that use marketplace chaplains, even some that aren't of the Christian faith that are just like, they do a great job for my team. Yeah. And and because they can come from just anybody's perspective, it doesn't matter. They do a great job of really just showing that you care in the workplace. And I think that nowadays that's really important. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Metalworking Nation. Hey, listen, IMTS is not just a trade show. There's also IMTS Plus. This is where you can enter a world of digital programming that's exclusive to our community. You can explore stories about the creators, the innovators, the industry leaders, the up-and-comers, and of course, all the technology that impacts our everyday life and our future as manufacturing leaders. You can max out on the award-winning IMTS Plus original series. Manufacturing Explorers, Road Trippin' with Steve, The Smarter Shop, Profiles in Manufacturing, and Future View. There's a lot going on on IMTS+. You can search out behind-the-scenes content in automotive, robotics, EVs, electronics, additive manufacturing, and all the digital technologies. And you can find articles that highlight the people beyond the technology. 
the technologies that drive our industry, the news, the economics, the state of reshoring, and all the events affecting our businesses. You know, we're not the only people podcasting at Making Chips. There's Stephen LaMarca and Benjamin Moses that are the technology duo at AMT, and they have the whole podcasting section on IMTS+. Plus. So go to IMTS+, Plus. it's on imts.com, and discover the community and the connections that make manufacturing move. What's your thoughts? The golden rule, Nick. I think, yeah, it's like you. sometimes we've got to get back to the basics. You know, we talk about so many things on the show and sometimes you just keep it simple. And are you following the golden rule as a leader? Yeah. Before you go into a meeting, before you get angry, before you go to make an accusation, is that how you would want to be treated right, in that situation? Right, yeah. Slow down, like some of these things that Mike said. And I think that you're going to create a better culture in the long run. As hard as it might be in the beginning to do this, you're going to create it. Can I say something really yeah, please. That? I think the critical part of that is to be accountable, making mm-hmm. sure that mm-hmm. there's follow, there follow through because you as a leader, like who are you reporting to? Not many people. So find someone you can make sure that I'm getting graded on how I'm actually performing the golden rule. Yeah. You know, yeah. rate yourself, have someone look into it with you. Otherwise, like any good idea, it falls by the wayside. Sure. Absolutely. It does. You need consistency, follow up, and takes accountability. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. That's really wise. Mike, you and I are actually working on a new project. We're working on a new podcast where we're going to look at the intersection of faith and business. It's yeah. not actually we're anything actually that's out. The title Pastor. Yeah. We can call you Pastor Mike in this. Podcast. And <laughs> this new podcast, Workmen of the Word, hasn't been released yet, but we're going to be introducing this in the future. And I think it's going to be fun to talk about this more explicitly about this mm-hmm. intersection of faith and business. We try to tread this line on making chips. This isn't like a religious podcast by any means, but I think that there's some wisdom principles here that sure. we, everybody can talk about and yeah, everybody absolutely. can relate Amen. to. Yeah. But this will be our opportunity to be a little bit more explicit about that. Well, yeah, speaking of sure. accountability, there's a way our audience can hold us accountable, right? So yes. they can rate us. You can rate us on whatever it is, Apple iTunes, Spotify, whatever you're listening. It's how on. you fill our buckets yeah, by yeah, giving exactly. us five stars. <laughs> you could give us a review. Tell us exactly what you think about this episode or any other episode. And then you can refer us to somebody else and mm-hmm. figure out how to share the episode and send it to someone that you think. Yeah, we would love that. So. And Mike, do you know how we close on an episode? I do not. Okay. Well, I'll just ask Nick. <laughs> Nick, yeah. if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam.